1: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Ellent. In September of 2011, our guest today was diagnosed with AIDS. She started making cannabis oil the following year, and since then, has been an advocate for medical cannabis in the state of Pennsylvania. And joining us to tell her story today is Adrian Lisa. Adrian, thanks very much for doing this. We greatly appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Take us back to September of 2011 <laughs> and tell us the story about the day you were diagnosed with AIDS.
0: Well, it took a while. I. It's interesting because I worked at the hospital where I was diagnosed. Uh, I had worked there for eight years, and it took... Um, I had to go to the ER three times before I said, can you just keep me in trying to... F- try to figure out what this is, I was having nausea and headaches, and um, I had terrible thrush in my in my mouth, and when the neurologist saw that, he said it reminded him of the early 80s when he saw AIDS patients, and that scared me a little, uh, but it was probably about four or five days later that they finally got um, my HIV test back. And it was positive, and then they did a um, a lumbar puncture and confirmed that there was cryptococcal meningitis in my in my spinal fluid. So um, it was my friends and colleagues that had to tell me that that I had. Um, they told me that I had HIV, but when I read about it when I was there in the hospital, I read that if it was under if your T cells were under two hundred and fifty. Then it was considered AIDS, and my T cells were at seven, oh. so it had progressed that far. So, unfortunately, and and I, I love cannabis and I love um, what it does for me, but it really, I believe, it mitigated a lot of the symptoms that where I may have been diagnosed previously. The doctor said that I had uh, the infection for six to ten years before I was diagnosed. The fact that I was able to go that far um, without being diagnosed is kind of a, a testament to the power of cannabis, and it kept my immune system sort of together until then, until it fell apart. Were
2: you, were you just smoking
0: it at that point? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Since um, from about the age of 18 till I was diagnosed when I was 34. So that's... Um, a good sixteen, eighteen years of smoking—you know what I considered to be recreationally—but it helped me with my depression, and um, I had—I was very often suicidal, and that was the one thing that I kind of had to look forward to, and I knew could get me through to the next day.
2: Adrian, what's going so, through your mind when they tell you that you've got HIV?
0: It was shocking. To say the least, Uh, I was never a drug user. I was not. um, I didn't live a terribly high risk lifestyle, Um, but it's really only one time that it takes to to contract HIV, and um, apparently I had contracted it. Probably we figured shortly after. September 11th. And I know that was a dark period in my life. I know it was probably a dark period in a lot of people's lives. Uh, But that's when I contracted it. And, um, yeah, it was very shocking. It was, um, and then to find out that I was very, very like critically ill, um, due to, it, it was, it was shocking, very shocking. And, um, some, some of the friends that I told didn't believe me. Um, it was it was rough. And it was the people that I worked with who were kinda like my family that were taking care of me and like they would come into my room and I could see they'd been crying. And you know, you know it's bad when <laughs> the people that care about you don't want you to see them cry because Yeah, that was that was it was very difficult.
2: You Dude, must have been really scared. I know I would I be.
0: was and I felt very alone, yeah. And and that has been um an ongoing problem because of the stigma i have really had a hard time finding other people in my situation that i can talk to and and feel like i'm not alone i've recently found a an hiv women's group which is very helpful Um, but because of the stigma there aren't very many people that are willing to even speak about it to anybody
1: Adrian, did you contract AIDS through sexual activity?
0: Yes, through unprotected sex.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking this morning when I was looking at at, uh, your story, and your T cell count was seven, and a normal reading, I had no idea what a normal reading was, so I looked it up. A normal reading is between 500 and 1,500. Correct. I mean, you were really, really, really sick.
0: Yeah, in my records. I, I worked at the hospital, so I was used to seeing lab reports and H and Ps, um, and but looking through my lab report, it was startling because one of them, the the report for my uh, my lumbar puncture, it said that there was visibly budding yeast in my spinal fluid. So that basically my my brain, the the, the meninges, the uh, surrounding your brain. Was overrun with yeast, so yeast was taking over my brain pretty much, and that's why I'm, I looked like the crypt keeper when I opened my mouth. <laughs> oh, no. um, it was awful, but um, but yeah, I was I had no idea I was that sick, and I had lost some weight previous to that. Um, so my colleagues were saying, "Oh, you're wasting away," and little did we know I really was wasting away. Mm. So, um, what was your appetite I, like? I didn't, I mean, during that, that acute period, I wasn't, you know what, it's crazy. I was eating candy and they told me, I mean, sugar feeds yeast, sugar feeds that. So I remember eating like I did, I never ate, I was never a candy fiend, but I was eating these Reese's Pieces like every day and I was just like, I need more Reese's Pieces. (laughs) But other than that, um, I think I had kind of a normal diet, but I was always nauseous and had a headache, so I was eating less and losing weight. And,
1: Do you think yeah. this had any negative impact or it affected your depression in any way?
0: Absolutely. Um, and I was just reading um, about the the physiology of depression, and especially in HIV and AIDS patients, in that an infection, and it really is a systemic infection, um, can really encourage depression or can, you know, lead to, you know, make you more susceptible to, and I, and I already had terrible depression. So it's hard. It's, it's been really hard, um, adding that to my, um, to, to Adding that to my troubles, it's, it's really hard being a, um, I just turned 40 and I'm a single woman and I would like to have a child. And it's really hard to date or to find a partner when you have this kind of a diagnosis. And we have, um, I don't know how the laws are in Canada, but here in Pennsylvania, at least, we still have laws on the books that say that I could be charged... Um, if I had sex with somebody and did, and did not disclose my status, they could have me arrested and charged with, um, I believe it's assault, attempted murder, and there's, there's three different charges that they can charge you with. And that's regardless of whether any transmission occurs. And it's actually not possible. I'm, I'm durably virally suppressed, which means that I've had an undetectable viral load for over six months. And so it's virtually impossible for me to transmit the infection, but the laws on the books can put me in jail for, you know, for not disclosing. So it's it's really hard to live in and to deal in in society um, in my position. So it makes it a lot harder.
1: Yeah. yeah, you're ostracized because of your condition.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm a person that. I've never had a problem standing up and you know, speaking my mind, so I've always felt that I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to, to tell people about this and say, this is what I'm dealing with, uh, because honestly, not very many other people are. They're keeping it a secret, and I find that not helpful in reducing stigma. In regards so. to
2: the laws here, Adrian, I'm just uh, reading. In 1998, a landmark Supreme Court of Canada decision made it a crime to not disclose a positive HIV diagnosis to a sexual partner. Mm-hmm. Someone mm-hmm. with such a diagnosis can be charged with aggravated assault for failing to disclose mm-hmm. it, even if the virus is not tr- transmitted. However, exactly. a 2012 mm-hmm. ruling clarified that disclosure is not required if the realistic possibility of transmission of HIV is negated. Specifically, wow. specifically if the HIV-caring partner has a low viral load And a condom is used during sexual intercourse.
0: That's great. We need to have, we need, I I just recently started, um, I've done a lot of advocacy um, on the medical cannabis front, but I'm just getting into the HIV decriminalization issue. And that's what I, we need to have that change here. Absolutely. That's great.
2: I'll send you a link to that. Okay, thanks.
1: Adrian. Take us through how once you were diagnosed, how cannabis entered the picture cannabis oil, I assume mm-hmm.
0: yeah it was um, I was diagnosed in two thousand and eleven, and my father had died in two thousand and nine from a gBM a glioblastoma multiform and um after it was 2012 that I, I read something on Facebook um, from a gentleman named Lincoln Horsley, who has um, a website called Cure I believe it's CureYourOwnCancer org yes. yes, and I just remember I saw it flashed up, uh, across my screen and I was like what it said something about cannabis curing cancer and I was like what I don't know about that so I looked into it further and the more I looked the more I learned and and. And here I had been smoking cannabis for 16 to 18 years and didn't realize that I could have helped my father. You know, I, it's, it was very upsetting when I realized that there was something that could have possibly at least improved his uh, quality of life during the year that after he was diagnosed. It was very frustrating and I just decided well and I worked on a, a cancer unit at a hospital so I was surrounded by it every day surrounded by suffering and when I would talk to the doctors and some of them seemed somewhat open but a lot of them just kind of shook their heads and like what, the one neurologist told me I was going to blow myself up when I told him I wanted to make cannabis oil and I just I was very it was very frustrating that they didn't seem to to really care that maybe this was an option. So um, that's when I, I quit my job. Um, but as far as oil, I, I then went out to Portland. There's a, a great group of people called Stony Girl Gardens, and they have this Portlandsterdam University. It was really just like a weekend course where they give you the basics on growing and uh, processing and most of what I learned, I feel I learned through experience. I use a distiller. And as far as growing, had, I've had i had so a lot of problems. It's really hard to grow in an illegal state. It really is. Um, and hopefully, within the next 10 years, we'll have grow rights in Pennsylvania. But as of right now, we just have medical. Um, but I've seen... Since I've learned about cannabis oil and started making it, the things that I've seen it do for people, it has given me such a purpose. That's why I'm still here. Um, it's, It's amazing. I mean, the fact that I can maybe save somebody from some pain is a reason for me to stick around. You know, I don't have a story that says I cured my cancer or I'm in remission, but my miracle really is kind of that I'm still here.
2: What is your, t- what is your, t- <laughs> that's right. That it's a huge miracle that's given, huge given mi- <laughs> what your uh, count was, etc. Right.
1: What is your T yeah. cell count today?
0: Today, I think it's in like 400 something. I just got my labs drawn yesterday, so they so- check them every like every 3 to 6 months. But it's above 4, I think it's between 4 and 500.
2: So pretty what pretty much normal. Yeah, you're getting into the normal range.
0: In the nor- yeah, the normal range.
2: Low right. normal.
0: Right, right.
1: 500 between 500 and 1500 is considered normal, so you're low normal. I mean Right.
0: Yeah, I still have a long way to go. I mean, I can I'll be increasing my T cells for the next well, probably forever. I'm not sure how how high they'll get, but um, I'm pretty healthy.
2: When you first okay. uh, started doing oil,
0: did you start noticing differences? Well, I slept a lot. Yeah. And you know what I I honestly haven't had access to to steady supplies mm-hmm. of high doses. Living in an illegal state, it's just really hard. I mean, unless you have a lot of money or you have connections, it's very difficult. And um, uh, since I I quit my job, I I wasn't always in a good place financially. So I haven't had, you know, large doses where I can take, say, a gram a day. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But I certainly look forward to, in the future, um, being able to do some kind of, like, clinical Research and see if it's possible to to take, say, three grams a day of cannabis oil, um, specifically HIV targeted strains, and to see if I could manage my uh, use that in place of antiretroviral therapy. Um, That's that would be amazing, and that's something I would like to try as we get into uh, industry here in Pennsylvania about a year from now. We will have dispensaries, and they will have oil. And I'm hoping to be uh, working for them. Basically, I see my my uh, my position as trying to help the Pennsylvania marijuana program be as successful as possible, because it's in our best. It's in everybody's best interest, really. Um, But that's one thing. I'm coming from a healthcare background. I know that there's a lot of hesitancy in. The healthcare field, some of some of them are embracing this, but many are not, and it's going to take a long follow through. That's why I started the um, Pennsylvania Cannabis Patients and Caregivers Union. I kind of try to have educational events around Pennsylvania, and I get the um, my friend who works for the Department of Health. Um, she does like a little slideshow, trying to educate those who are curious about the potential benefits, and I want to get as many PA patients in our program as possible.
1: Adrian, do you take any other medications besides cannabis?
0: Yes. Yeah, I do take um, antiretroviral therapy. I take three, three pills per day, and one of them is kind of like a horse pill. It's huge. So, um, and I take also antidepressants. I'm also on Effexor. And um, I've I've tried to do I've I've tried to do to survive on just pharmaceuticals, and I've tried to survive on just cannabis, and I can do neither. I need both. That's what I have found. I need both, and you know a lot of a lot of other people do too. Um, I would love to be able to just use cannabis, and I hope that someday in the future that will be possible. But as of right now, I have to. I, I I once I tried to not take my antiretrovirals and my viral load shot up and my T cells went down. So that didn't work out. It would be
2: inter- so, It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, there comes a day where you'll be able to uh, take as much cannabis as you wish to take, and it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if it's um, if you can look after both your depression and your uh, HIV with just whale
0: Right. I believe it's possible, Yeah, but we shall see in the future. Yeah.
2: I know Dr. Malamede has a friend who cleared yes. himself. Yes. Yes. Cleared himself That's of who AIDS. Cleared himself
1: which of, is, of AIDS through the use of cannabis. Yes. Oh, wow.
0: Yes, he has. Yeah, I, I would love to talk to that person. He sounds like he has an amazing story as well. And I'm, I'm certainly open to to that in the future i would love to be able to just use cannabis oil
1: now how how is the
0: thrush doing oh that's gone that was that was gone pretty instantly they have um forget what they gave me fluconazole it's like a antifungal and I, i actually had to have for the cryptococcal meningitis though um the like yeast in my brain, I had to have six hour IV infusions of this stuff that looked like green Gatorade and it was called ampiteracin B. So I did have I had probably a good three to four month um recovery from my acute initial illness and diagnosis. Um but I'm really very, very lucky that they have amazing pharmaceutical meds now. Um it's almost, well, I shouldn't say it's better that I didn't get diagnosed for 10 years, but the meds are better now. So when I started, they kind of, I would get headaches and nausea, but the the meds I'm on now, they're different. And I don't have a lot of side effects.
1: That's good. You know what strikes me is as really something truly amazing in your story is how bloody sick you were, and yet you were still working.
0: Yeah. I was right right until I was diagnosed. I mean, and I kept um I kept going to the ER and I would go to the work no ne- the next day and um no but nobody had an- any idea I was as sick as I was. You didn't it was, either. including you. <laughs> exactly. And and you know since then I worked in um a suburban Philadelphia hospital. Um kind of a, a well-to-do area. Um So maybe that's why they didn't do as many AIDS tests. They never tested me any time during that 10 years. Um, But now they do test. um, I was told in Chester County now they test everybody that comes into the ER if they're willing. They offer it. Um, Of course, probably many people decline. But if I would have had that at any time during those 10 years, I could have been diagnosed and my illness would not have progressed to what it did. But I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to um, to the medical field and, and the pharmaceutical industry because, honestly, I wouldn't be alive without them. And I say the same thing for cannabis.
1: When you tell people that you have AIDS, what sort of mm-hmm. reaction do you get?
0: Um, it's People are usually kind of nervous. And um, they kind of try to – they get – Self-conscious, like they don't know how to respond, um, and some people are just—I get all kinds of responses. Um, but when I'm kind of okay with it, that's uh, seems a little bit. It's easier for them to hear when I tell it. You know, as I'm okay with this. This is what I have, and nope yep, yep. But it is shocking because most people don't know. Um, or else people don't talk about it. I think that's the case too. People with, there's a lot of people out there living with, with HIV, and they're just not talking about it. And um, so a lot of people don't know very much about it. I mean, and I was very ignorant. It's been a quite a learning curve. I had a lot to learn about it once I was diagnosed, and I still have a lot to learn, honestly. Did
1: you lose uh, any friends
0: over <coughs> this? Um,. Not really. No, I wouldn't say so. Uh, most of my friends were kind of like hippie free thinkers, so they were. Kind of, I don't think I lost any friends. No, luckily, luckily, I don't think I dealt with that as much. But uh, but as far as finding a partner is very very difficult, and uh, I mean the the suicide rate of people who live with HIV is three times the rate of the general population. So we are a Susceptible, you know, a risk, a risk population, um, and I already had the major depression disorder, so it's it's just extra hard. But you know, if I didn't have this purpose, I really would be lost. And cannabis and helping other people use cannabis and cannabis oil has really that purpose has really helped me.
1: It sounds to me like when you took the cannabis oil it and and you smoked, there's no question that when you smoked, it helped with your general health, because I don't think if you had not smoked, I don't think you could have worked with a, a T-cell count of only seven.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely not. No, I was a daily smoker, so I know that that definitely was a factor in me living 10 years with that illness undiagnosed. Yeah.
1: Definitely. did when you were diagnosed did it make your depression worse?
0: Yeah well <clears throat> when I it say make different your de- kind yeah it's like a different kind of depression yeah I mean I have that which is my feelings, but then there's also my situation mm-hmm. and that's it's a kind of an feel sometimes feels like an unconquerable situation. And whereas I've learned after 25 years of, of living with major depressive disorder, I've learned how to deal with that. But now I'm having to learn how to deal with a different kind of depression, and it's you know situational, and it's 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 different. It's um it's hard. It seems very harder because I can I've I've managed you know I can uh, get by. I've found ways of coping with my major depressive disorder, but the situational depression is yeah, it's extra hard. But and that's where the purpose comes in. If I didn't have that, I I wouldn't be here. So I thank God for it. And for people like Corey, you know, if I hadn't if I hadn't learned about cannabis oil, and um, I don't know where I'd be. I really don't. I'm very thankful to her and to to the cannabis oil movement.
1: It's that damn Corey Yelland again.
0: (laughs) Bless her little heart. (laughs) She is a beautiful person.
2: Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's. uh, I I know we talked a bit before we started uh, recording this about depression, and uh, I want to tell the story to listeners about a friend I have who we've mentioned him on the program before. He has glaucoma. He's about ninety nine percent blind. He has depression. Very severe depression. And he was asked if he had to choose between depression and blindness, he said he would choose blindness. And Mm -hmm. those of us who don't have depression, I don't think really understand what it's like to have that uh, go on in your head day after day after day after day. And Mm -hmm. Is there any way you can explain it to us?
0: Well, kind of like glasses. Like putting on glasses that say, I mean, right now, here anyway, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's kind of like putting on glasses that make everything look like like everything's gloomy and everything, like end-of-the-world glasses, pretty much. That's what I call them. I t- my friends tell me take off your end of the world glasses,
2: <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> but but I agree with your friend. I honestly I would I would trade my sight for not having to deal with depression and for if I was just always happy I would I would trade my sight for that absolutely.
1: Wow, well, it's hard for people to fathom that you know it. Mm-hmm. It's the same with people who have pain. We can't really. <laughs> We can't really understand wh- what pain is uh, to that particular individual.
0: Yeah, constant pain. I, I feel for those people because I don't know how they function. I, in times when I've been extremely sick and, and had terrible pain, I, I don't know how they do it. Um, so that's, they're a group of people that, that I've been able to help and, and save them some pain with cannabis oil.
1: Adrian, what would you like to do in terms of the future uh, with respect to cannabis?
0: Well, I would like to to prove some things with clinical clinically I would like to help I would like to help the Pennsylvania uh, Medical marijuana program flourish and thrive and and there 's a component of our bill that 's um, a lot of research and I know that Thomas Jefferson University has a um, they're going to be doing some hopefully really good research. And I'm hoping that with with all the new use, new patients using it and doctors being taught by their patients as they watch them use it and they see what happens and they look at their labs, I want to help the culture shift because we really – I mean, we have – now if it's as bad in Canada, but we have a horrible opioid ep- epidemic and and it's unnecessary. And um, I believe that cannabis is, is an excellent um, weapon against the opioid epidemic. So hopefully all the great things that it can do will sort of change mainstream medicine. It, it, they really need to kind of merge mm-hmm. the way I see it. Since i'm a person who needs both i need the I need both of those um, worlds to thrive and and be accepted and given credit for what they're able to to do for people's lives.
1: Will there be any point in your life when you can get off your medications and just use cannabis?
0: I hope so. Since we haven't had industry, I haven't had dispensaries that I could go to and buy 20 grams of oil. I will have that, so I hope that that will be an option. And I, like I said before, I would love to be able to to make a. I've talked to a number of people in, in industry that ha- that are interested in um, developing HIV specific strains. And I would like to work with those people and make bas- basically HIV oil that I could try to take large doses of and check my numbers and see if, if I'm able to keep my viral load down. And um, so, yeah, I, would, I, I hope to achieve that in the future. Absolutely.
1: Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion, Adrienne?
0: Uh, I guess I would like to say thank you to Corey. And thank you to um, all the my fellow activists that I've worked with in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people in Pennsylvania that are um, working to make this happen. And um, I just hope the best for all of us. And thank you for listening to my story.
1: And uh, get rid of those end-of-the-world glasses.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <They're No. off. laughs> yes. It was uh, great to hear your story. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.
0: Yes. Thanks, get, Ian. Thanks, Corey.
2: It was great to have you on, Adrienne, and we'll have to get together again. What's it Absolutely. been, two years
0: now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was 2015. Wow. Well, <laughs> time flies. We sure will. Yeah, we'll have to have a nice uh, uh, get-together at some Reunion. point. Reunion. Yes.
1: Good. Thanks, Adrian.
2: <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Bye bye.
1: And just to remind listeners, if you'd like to tell your story about the medical use of cannabis and what it's done for you, send us an email at com. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website. CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
1: I'm Josh Kincaid, capital markets analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, Share and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.